Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist, and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents, and adults, trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot, and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics, including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture, and future, and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice, and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. The Trauma Tale started as a little passion project to entertain me during lockdown, but it's turned into something so much more than I ever could have imagined. I'm the host, the producer, the admin, marketing, content developer, social media manager and designer. I could sell the Trauma Tales, but that would mean that the anonymity of the people I interview wouldn't be as protected as it is now. See, it's only me who knows and I swore to protect the people who share their stories with you. But that means that I don't get to take in any of the network's funds either. So to keep the trauma tales running, I've launched a Patreon account for those of you who want more than just the regular seasons. Patreons will be entitled to discounted merch, extra content, and heaps more, like Q&As with me. So to help me keep this podcast going, jump on the link in the show notes and make a one-time contribution or a monthly subscription so I can keep sharing these stories with you and protect those who honour us with their tales. Welcome to the summer season of the Trauma Tales. I wanted to do something a little different for our summer season. First of all, I want to give you a background of how the Trauma Tales kind of works. See, when I'm doing the interviews for the Trauma Tales, I generally don't know the story I'm about to hear. There have been a couple of exceptions along the way but usually I only know a general gist of the story that I'm hearing, if at all. And I do this purposefully. I want the interview to be authentic and my reactions to be real. I want to ask the questions as they come to mind and I want to be a conduit through which these stories that these people are sharing with me can then be passed on to you in a way that is safe for them and informative for you. 
but I don't just sit them in my studio or start a Zoom call and just launch straight in. There is a process and I want to share that with you now. So long before we've even got to meeting to record, I've usually sent them some episodes if they haven't heard it before or a brief synopsis of what the podcast is about. Now, I always pre-screen my interviewees about how they feel about discussing their trauma. I've had lots of people want to come onto the podcast, but they're not ready yet. So I politely ask them to come back to me when it's not so raw. But I also make sure that they have access to lots of supports. And I will send them details of therapists and psychs in their area or resources they could use like books or websites. Then if they're happy to continue and I believe that they're able to cope, I'll discuss their emotional regulation plan. So what do they do when they're stressed? What tools can they or we use to help them feel supported and most of all safe? Sometimes we make a plan together. Other times they already have a plan and I ask, how can I support you with that? If we're good, we book a time. Generally, we book it for about 90 minutes to two hours. The first 15 minutes or so is about helping them to regulate because it's often a bit nerve-wracking for most people. Hell, it's still nerve-wracking for me. And then we start recording. And I try really hard to make it as conversational as possible. We generally record for around about 30 minutes or so, sometimes longer. And then when we're finished, we chat again. And even though I don't talk a lot during the podcast, we talk a lot after. And I focus on helping the person regulate and ground back into the space. I always ask prior to the interview for the person to plan an activity of self-care that they can do immediately after we're finished. And then I offer to check in with them the following day. After this, I do my best to show them the socials that are going to be used for their episode so they know what's coming. I give them a release date about a month after recording, which is when I get the release dates. Um, But then I'll tell them again a day or so before release if I can. While I'm not providing any kind of health service for the people that I interview on the podcast, I'm very conscious of them as people. And my focus is always on keeping people psychologically safe. Often in the post-interview chats, some really interesting topics come out. We'll often have a laugh together and I always, always thank them for honouring me with their story. Sometimes people will chat to me for another 15, 10, 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes people want to chat to me for half an hour. And then sometimes this happens. In the final episode of season two, we met Frankie. Frankie mentioned that she went into a psychiatric unit and during our post-interview chat, Frankie told me more about the journal that she kept during her stay and she even read some more to me. Now, this happened to be my final interview of the week and I had time to just chill and chat. So over a beer, Frankie started sharing with me some of the adventures from the psych ward that occurred during her tenure. And after only a few minutes, I had beer coming out of my nose and I was snorting in that really charming way that you try to avoid on a first date and there was that was just a few pages she offered to send me more and then she did so through those pages I saw the highs and the lows and the scary and the bizarre and the downright hilarious that can be a psychiatric unit I saw the journey of struggling with mental health through the first person lens Frankie's words took me on a journey of pain fear sadness laughter and even glimmers of hope. And now you can come on that journey too. 
pre-admission. I've had my keys removed now. My wife holds me close to her side. She has taken countless weeks off work just to ensure that I'm safe and that I'm not going to hurt myself or others. How did I fucking get here? One night, a week or so ago, I was hiding from my family. I say one night, but it's most days, if I'm honest. I feel like everyone just keeps telling me that I need to go into the place with the fucking padded walls. I continue to resist. Why can't I just hide in my cave? I look around my cave, which is really just a room underneath my house where I do my art and avoid people. And right then, I know I can't resist anymore. It's really late and she's only upstairs. I could walk the 50 steps that it would take for me to be in front of her as she watched true crime documentary so I could talk to her face. But I can't do that. Maybe I could. No. No, I can't. I chicken out. I lay down in my cave after switching off the lights. It's dark enough for me to hide from the fallout of what I'm about to do. I send her a text. I think I need to go to the place that I don't want to go. She knows what I'm telling her. In the darkness, I hear her jump up and start to move. I'm frightened she's going to come down here and confront me. She might make me want to go now, in this minute. Oh my God, what the fuck have I done? My heart starts to race. I want to vomit. Oh fuck, what have I done? I regret it now. But she doesn't come down here. All of a sudden, there's silence. And then, ping. I will organise everything. Do you need anything from me right now, babe? She gets me. I type back, a beer? And I hear her laugh out loud. I hear footsteps, a pause, more footsteps, pause, more footsteps. I hear her sitting back on the lounge. Ping. I look down. It's at the door. <laughs> Keeping me alive has been her dominant role for the better part of three months. She now has my keys and she worries every time I step foot out of sight. She's worried beyond belief. My heart and my head is breaking. And my head is breaking her heart. I can't keep her or our household in this state of purgatory anymore. I'm almost fucking catatonic by this point. The beer that I asked for is less than 10 steps away. But I can't do it. That one text message, though, it opened the floodgates. And the next morning, it started. The phone calls. Fuck, it was like the fucking Telstra help desk around here. Getting Jeff Bezos into space was easier than this shit. Referrals, approvals, dates of admission, so much more. How many hospitals? This hospital, that hospital. How many beds have they got? Have they got single rooms? Do they have a triple room? How many groups have they got? Oh, I am totally numb to it all. I just see the wheels spinning around me because other people are making them. Maybe I could pack my bag. Yeah, I could do that. So I started to pack my bag. All my drawing shit before anything else. Drawing is the only thing that gets my brain moving at this point. 
my light box, my points of reference, my pens, my pencils, my textures. I throw some clothes in and, and as much Diet Coke into the mix as I possibly can. And then I sit down again. I stare at the walls. The hours are going past and so are the days. Everything is moving around me, but I'm still again. And then, admission date. <sighs> they gave me an admission date. First thing Monday morning, I get the weekend. In the midst of all of this, there was the talk of public admission. I fought that really hard. Don't get me wrong, I'm not above it, but I'm not going to make my situation worse by going there. I've seen public admission from a different perspective, and that was enough of a nightmare. I couldn't survive from this side. I worked in the public system for 14 years. I can't. I, I can barely function. I am not aware enough to navigate that system. I just need something to hold me for a little while to give my wife a break. I got into a private hospital. And at first I thought I was lucky that I can go to a private facility. It meant that I wasn't terrified of getting help, but not because I don't need help. But I don't want to get stabbed. I don't want to get ignored or left in the cold, heartless vortex that is the public mental health system. I'm still scared. And I don't actually want to go, but I need to go. More than that, my family needs me to go. I wake on the day shaking in fear. We trek up to the hospital together, my wife and I. I never let my hand drop from hers. Like a morbid first date. She's with me, but only on the outside. Even she can't get to me now. I'm too far gone. But on the surface, we're going through it together. It's like the Last Supper, without any food. We pull into the car park and we just sit silently. Here we go. Night one. After admission, aka a bullshit amount of paperwork and being interviewed by randoms about my, why my fucking brain doesn't work. This nurse took me down the corridor to a room where another woman was already sitting on a bed in the room. There was another single bed next to her, empty clearly mine. And then before I could even unpack and Karen had given me the full extent of the room rules, dinner arrived. Um, what? I checked my watch. 4.30pm. What the fuck? I'm still digesting a lunch over here. And then I lift the lid on the mottled plastic cloche and I see this lamb thing and peas possibly cooked six months ago and reheated another eight times prior to my being blessed with it Ugh. suddenly i'm not hungry since dinner was delivered so fucking early i treat myself to a sweet treat from my beloved child he made me lots of yummies so i would think about him while i'm gone and it'd make me feel better fuck i wish rocky road would cure depression so Onto the juicy details you may not have thought of experiencing in a shared room. I haven't shared a room since I was in high school. I didn't like it then, and I like it even less now. 
farting, shitting, wet bathroom floor and sharing everything. I hate it. Why am I here? I'm here again, just like I was when I was in high school, twisting myself in knots not to let go of farts. <sighs> Eventually, after fully embracing her reheated lamb, Karen fucks off for a shower so I can finally ass breathe. Oh, the relief. I hope the smell's gone before she comes back. And then she quickly came back and then she fucked off again really quickly for a dart. So I brushed my teeth and I changed into my PJs. Right, okay, well done. I'm ready for bed on one of the biggest days of my life after my wedding. <sighs> I'm pooped. I'll check the clock. It's 5.30. What do I do now? Oh, God. I look around. There's nothing. It's just white walls. I pull out my headphones to try to settle myself because I can feel the anxiety rising in my throat. And then a nurse comes and she explains to me that she needs to do my orbs. Huh? It's a psych hospital. I know, but we need to do your obs anyway. Okay. Honestly, for a psych hospital, they love the normal hospital shit. I'm suicidal, you annoying cow, not suffering a heart attack. And yet, they still check my heart rate. Then she asked me if it's normal for me. What is? Your heart rate. Is this a normal heart rate for you? Um, I don't know. This isn't a normal situation for me. And again, she, she keeps coming. She's asking like a thousand more questions. <sighs> Finally, she starts winding up her overly rehearsed spiel and then she makes a fatal mistake. Do you have any questions for me? Her tone is dismissive. Maybe most people don't ask questions. Clearly, I'm not most people. What time do I have to be up? Where can I get a towel? When can I leave? Why is dinner 4.30? How many towels can I have? Why is dinner so soft? Are the broccolis on offer in every meal, every day? Are they in breakfast? Do I have to participate in group? Can I have my own room? When can I have my own room? Not that I don't like Karen, but I just want my own room. I'm sure that I ask more, but they're the ones that I remember. So the answers in order that she did answer are... There are no have-tos, but we like to make sure that you don't sleep in until 8 9 a.m. or something silly like that. Clearly my face dropped at this point. So I then threw in a whinge about breakfast at 6.30 in the morning. They also said, you don't have to go to breakfast. You can stash up on your options and then eat whenever. Apparently I can have as many towels as I want. I just need to ask. I asked. I got two. The 72-hour hold is apparently only 24 hours, according to my psych. Brilliant. I just want some fresh air and natural lighting. Um, apparently dinner is regularly soft and disgusting, and you can make your own or you can get Uber Eats. Good to know. They laughed at my comment about broccoli and moved on, and apparently I have group sessions twice a week and psych sessions daily. Oh, I'm going to be busy tomorrow. And then psych rounds down to three to four times a week and optional group on weekends. Okay. They are thinking about separate rooms tomorrow. Not that I'm not going to miss Karen, but at least I can fart in peace. And then she said that because we don't, neither of us sleep properly or we're shit sleepers, they try to pair us up with other shit sleepers or put shit sleepers in their own bedroom. I'm paraphrasing, of course. She didn't call us shit sleepers. 
Anyway, she scuttled off with her OBS chart because that's necessary here. And I went and stood by the prison window and I partook in what I can only imagine an amount of drugs would kill a horse. If I started shaking right now, I would rattle from all the pills I've just consumed. Anyway, waiting for those meds to come into effect, I noticed that Karen's delightfully off in snoring land. I'm here. I'm done. I've just done day one in a psych unit. In this gift giving season, I want to introduce you to Mind Love. They're a hamper company, but with a difference. So most hampers are like about flowers or wine or chockies, robes and candles. And these are all really lovely, but sometimes you want something more personal for the person's needs. Mind Love is a hamper company about our mental health. So you can go to the website and you can either build a hamper from scratch and put anything you like in it from a huge range of products. Or if you prefer, you can select from an already curated hamper and their products are incredible. So I actually had one made for Frankie's wife when she had surgery. It was chock full of amazingness. I selected the ultimate pamper package because she really needed some relaxation and self-care time after everything that had happened in the last few months. She loved it. She told me it was exactly what she needed. And Mind Love isn't just for adults. They have heaps of products and packages for kids and teens as well. So if you want to give something to support someone you love, show them that you hear them and that you see them and help to normalize mental health go to mindlove.com.au. That's M-I-N-D-L-O-V-E.com.au. Say hi to Jen for me. Tell her I sent you mindlove.com.au. All about prioritizing self-care and mental health. Day two. Good morning. My 6.30 a.m. wake-up call, despite being told that I don't want to wake up until 9 o'clock, was to a blood test and a light shone into my eyes. Again, doing the normal hospital things in the psych hospital. My vision is fine, nurse. Ratchet, get it the fuck out of my eyes. And then Karen said good morning and proceeded to discuss our sleep-talking conversation before she bopped off for a morning cigarette. I used the opportunity to dart for the bathroom. First time I've had an opportunity to have it to myself. I wash my face, I wash my teeth, my hair, get dressed, all that glorious stuff, and then breakfast arrives. Honestly, do these people not have any idea that this is the middle of the night for me? Any awakeness that's happening right now is a joke and severely discouraged. So I got my carbs and my dairy and then I flick on the telly for the first time since I arrived. Then I sit up for my breakfast dropping shit all over my bed, which is not actually my bed. And then it's kind of delightful. I wonder what's going to happen today. Karen bounces back in with her cloud of smoke behind her. She asks what group I'm in. Mood and anxiety. Honestly, it just sounds like a group of people with PMS and once our periods come, it'll be over. Hey, she's in that group too, as well as a couple of others. She also says we don't have to go yet. Because we arrived yesterday, we get another day of just getting used to the joint. Thank God. So here I am on my bed, covered in random food splatters, and that's it for me for the day. Checklist done. It's 7.08 a.m. 
Wait, what the hell is that? Now we've got music over the fucking loudspeaker? What the hell? I don't think anyone here is particularly appreciative of this. Uh, 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 oh, I stand corrected. Bye, Karen. Okay. Apparently we're now dancing to the music. Lay down, bitch. Calm down. The fuck down. And then I realise this is psych ward. God. Apparently Karen won the cash cow from Koshi once. We talked some more shit about how shit the food is and the Nest Cafe. Nest Cafe. Honestly, a private hospital can afford at least Makona. Then we chuff off to get our meds. While we're at the prison window, oh, drunk nurse is back on. She says, good morning, and you have an appointment at 9am. Pardon? What do you mean? This, this, there's a lot of functioning requested from me before a decent hour. She just stares at me. 9am. Okay, fine. I left Karen at the window. I drank some more shitty Nescafe and then, well, actually I didn't drink it. I just threw it down my throat. And then I was off down one of the many Star Wars-like wings. As I was leaving the coffee area, one of the lads started yelling out people's horoscopes. Cancer is up next! I'm not sure who he's yelling this to, but there are people giggling and smiling. Again, this is all too early. I see outside and just for a minute it doesn't feel so uncomfortable. I can breathe outside. Sunlight, the cold air and the chatter of birds. No artificial light or tiptoeing around Karen or holding my farts or many others in the hallway. I now have to fill in what feels like 700 meals orders for the rest of my stay here. All equally unappealing as the last. I think I even ordered the stew for tomorrow night. Damn it. I'm going to get Uber Eats back on my phone before I have to have that. Anyway. After half my day's gone by 8.30 and I'm off to find a loo and then the shrink. I need to push for a single room so that I can at least fart in peace and just see Karen when I want to. Don't get me wrong, she's really nice, but oh God, I want to fart on my own. I went to see the doc. He wanted to suss out medication today. We've dropped my morning ones lower to get to changing them over by Monday. I get to go on walk release to leave and have a wander outside from the Savo. Nightmares are working. Fucking charm. Maybe having that many does work. He asked me a few more things and suggests I speak with my outside of here psychologist to get that rolling. I left his office happier and on a mission for a single room. That shit is like gold in here. I head back to my double room, say hello to Karen, who's back in bed and having a rest, because there's fuck all else to do. Then needing a wee and not keen on sharing that with Karen, I saunter off in search of a loop. I go past the coffee room where I had dirt in a cup before therapy. I saw an abundance of puzzles because clearly that's what depressed people do. I found a loo that clearly everyone does their morning shit in. And I'm off in search of the gym. It was shut yesterday. Would you believe it? Probably at this point, there are no fucking windows. Honestly, I don't think the outside world exists. I meet an overexcited gym dude with long hair and... Far too much excitement about life for a psych hospital. The place is flooded with the only fit people in here. We meet. He's excited to have me in there. He wants the dock clearance for me so that we can start tomorrow. He's here from 8 till 3, just in case I want to lose all my depression kilos in one day. 
I sling past another coffee club group to find a source of fresh air. <gasps> oh, the courtyard. Well, courtyard's a stretch. It's surrounded by four concrete walls. I did see it yesterday, but today I sat in it. There are hums of the air cons sticking out of the walls into the courtyard and they keep getting stuck on their rotations. Birds sit on the outside of the box and chatter down to the other end. There are two other patients settling in for a solid chat. The box has shade sails on top. Hmm, not even sure why. Just in case there's a touch of sun, they have to take it away. I've seen prison yards more appealing than this. I don't have a group yet for group therapy. The doc says that will come from the nurses. The only nurse I know is drunk nurse, and she's back on today. Maybe the 80s nurse that I saw before will come back on soon and educate me on what moody bitches group I'm in. There is the morning group, or the afternoon group. I'm hoping the afternoon group goes pushes dinner back to like 5 p.m. Mm, I can always dream. I see some people shuffle around rooms this morning. Mm, I'm hoping I'm successful in my endeavor for a single room. I also want to be moved away from the boombox boy and his noisy, nattering nurse. But just a shower and a toilet of my own would suffice at this point. After a touch of life admin in the box, I'm off for another adventure. Perhaps the looming vending machines or just my thanky double room with snoring Karen. I ventured to the jack room, which is what the cool kids call the room where we all sit and drink our nasty blend 43 among a stale arrowroot, flick magazines that still feature details of Charles and Diana's divorce. And here I meet some people. I've been afraid of them before, but I might as well. I'm here for long enough. I was advised not to go down to a room downstairs. Apparently downstairs is for the bad. Okay, Jack is for the mad and Jazz is for the sad. Are these the unit names? Okay, new life goal. No downstairs for me. According to the long standards, the place is empty. One person is on her ninth week and looking for a long-term placement. Explained how shit public health beds are and that she would like a tattoo one day. Okay. But she was off to get a nose piercing. Okay. Apparently, getting tattoos and piercings are the only allowed self-harm, I'm told, in here. Ah. That makes sense. And then in comes John. The Wi-Fi is shit and so is the food. And all of these discussions are helpful, I guess. He's back to his puzzle and muttering shit to himself. But I do appreciate the information about the Wi-Fi. My roomie Karen has come in and she brings my afternoon itinerary. She tried to get in the same group as me, but as we both learned, you can only work on one thing. She says that's fucking stupid and off she goes. I start to draw and find my sense of calm. Everyone chimes in on, oh, you drew that? I can't draw for shit. I can't puzzle for shit either. Pipe up then. I speak with others for the first time, explaining, I have no idea who the nurses are, but I have names for them to myself, like drunky nurse, 80s nurse, drugs nurse, the one that keeps giving me the good shit, and the one who sits in the golden room with the ever-powerful pen avoiding single beds. <sighs> Look at the clock. Lunchtime, I think, because, you know, it's 11 a.m. Karen took me downstairs for lunch, filled me in along the way of who's here for what. 
gave me a banana and said, you'll need this shit later. Okay. We had lasagna and some bloody good focaccia bread. The lasagna was shit, but the bread was good. Karen told me about a couple of the people that she was in with last time. She told me she's leaving next Friday because I can do what I want. Mm, okay, Karen. Scrubs plates off and shown the ropes, we head back to the room. Her phone rings. Oh, fuck off, she says to her ex over the phone. I start getting my shit ready for therapy. I'm still finding in my calendar like I did at home. I'm still feeling in my calendar like I did when I was at home. This appointment time, this change of meds, this piece of paper was for this fucking shit. Anyways, I'm ready for good. It starts in an hour. The day drags when you started at bullshit o'clock. I'm starting to settle in now though. Still pinging for a single room, but we will get there soon enough, even if it's due to Karen fucking off when she wants to. Apparently Friday nights here are food market nights. So there's a food market across the river and we're often allowed to go. Karen is keen as fuck for that, but then she gets the fuck out of here. So maybe she won't be here, in which case I may or may not have to give that a crack. Anyway, I have psych again tomorrow and Friday. Four, four psych sessions in one week. <sighs> He's monitoring my meds changes. I just remembered. He laughed at me yesterday because I said I don't have any allergies. I said, no, doctor. You asked if I had any medication allergies, to which I said no. He laughed and said, good one, but I answered his question correctly, so I'm not sure why that was funny. But then again, I'm in a loony bin, and he is my doctor, so I'm probably not in a position to judge what funny is. I'm sitting in my room now, looking out a real-life window, staring at the tray delivered lunch and wondering what Karen will drag me to this arvo. My head's still racing. But I'm still not sure of the place. But it's okay. Maybe a med review and a few nights sleep might be all I needed, right? The alarm is off and the nurses are running. Nothing is a secret. If something was to happen, false alarm is all I hear. They're so on edge once that alarm goes off. It's worse than a youth worker response. That was not relaxing. I am desperate for a shower. Hopefully Karen goes somewhere else when I get back from group and I can just have five minutes to myself. Here we go. I walk towards group. Group session one. Now, if you told me something was compulsory, I would most likely do it. You know, seatbelts, helmets, cooking chicken, non-optional shit. Well, fuck me. I started my group session. Seven of us. Small group. I can deal with that. One by one, these fuckers could all fuck off. We had a break after an hour of discussing three things of communication. Aggressive communication, passive communication, and assertive communication. Seriously, communication 101. Anyway, after an hour, we get to have a half-hour break. No wonder people fucking smoke in this joint. At least it have something to do. I sit around and chug a Diet Coke for good measure. Then I head back in. Uh, we gained a dog in the second half of the group session and lost three people. Okay. Our group dwindles by the second. Not even the dog stuck around till the end. The second half of the group, I think I had something to do with communication, but if you 
revisit the tape or listen to my waffle or follow. We are so far away from effective communication. Firstly, we started with the emperor's new clothes and how he was such a narcissist that he ended up naked. Uh, Okay, yep, no, that goes with the aggressive, aggressive person. Never being wrong. I get it. Yep, following. Next, we went to Narcissi, who was so beautiful. He fell in love with himself um, and had an echo who had their voice robbed. Both ended up terribly unhappy. The Emperor's New Clothes and Narcissi, terribly unhappy. Got it. Cool. Then we got to talking about Vikings. And I am desperately holding on to my Diet Coke cans full worth of piss. I am busting to go. 20 minutes to go and I dart out. No shit. I thought I'd taken up some time. Losing focus just over the lackluster group. I came back and we were still on Vikings. We get a handout on I statements and in 90 seconds she bounces through how to practice this. And that was class done. I head back to the room. Karen isn't there. Fucking success. I'm having a shower. Fourth time lucky heading to the bathroom and I shower like I've never showered before. I felt like my hair was like Rapunzel and lap up the minutes alone. People staring at me, nurses getting obs and oh, it's all just getting too invasive. I love having the space to just adjust my meds and absorb a reality that I've only seen as shit for the last 12 months. See, I don't feel crook. Well, yeah, it depends on the meds. I don't have any other symptoms given to me by the doc. I've reset appointments with my external psych and we're tracking the walk to get out of here. I'm actually grateful at the same time I'm allowing my friends and family to breathe. It's been a bloody dark and big bundle to hold for 12 months. And even the last 24 hours, I can feel them breathing easier, that they can relax and not worry, even while they miss me. I had a shower and I'm almost ready for bed. Luckily, it's 4.25 and dinner's almost with us. Karen found out that we're number eight and nine on the single room list. She reckons people are jumping it. She wanders off for 4pm meds and pokes me in the direction of the nurse manager to get a look in on when we're moving. Yesterday, I was a good girl. I was very compliant. Today, I'm off swindling single rooms. It was a quick and steep descent. Very compliant was never deep-seated in me anyway. Oh, 4.30, dinner is in. I have a lovely but short chat with my lad. He tells me what he's up to. After my class on communication, I can hear him asserting himself, which is great. Except for when he thinks he can actually run the show. I hear the lightness in his voice, enjoying the time he has alone with his mum, cooking, dancing, gardening. My home, even from afar, feels lighter and filled with life. And it makes this danky hospital room worth it. Back to OBS and the placement students are hunting me to make sure that I'm still walking and talking. I am on the phone, fuckers. Anywho, I open my dinner plate. Oh, fuck me. Karen yells out from behind a curtain. Dry as a nun's cunt, this shit. I have some wedges and falafel and leave my... Broccoli for the compost. I'm sure the worms out there are the size of dinosaurs here. 
Karen, at some point uh, in our delightful meal, has disappeared. Hmm, fair enough. She comes back to the door with a new admission. Oh, okay. They were friends from before, apparently. This poor chick went for an appointment and got sideswiped back into an admission. Well, I hop to attention as Karen starts telling me that she has nothing here. What have you got? Uh, I don't have much to offer. Um, see, Karen is about the size of a fly and the new admittee is not much bigger. And I am not. So I toss in a couple of brand new socks and an oversized hoodie and some shampoo and conditioner. Karen says, brilliant, that's perfect. We can share, we'll share my shampoo and conditioner and she can have yours. Thank you so much. No worries. She bounds off again. In comes Nurse Margaret. So far. If you've been playing along, you'll notice she's the only nurse with a name. Hi, I'm your new nurse. I don't know you yet. Are you new? I was like, yeah. She said, are you feeling settled? Yeah. Have you been here before? No. Nope. Do you need to know anything? No, thanks. I I have a Karen. Karen's back at this point and she's rifling through her shit, seeing what she can else she can give to the new admittee. She comes back. I'm over my clag textured dinner. She hands me another banana. Karen is very excited about bananas. I don't even care if I get my clothes back, says Karen. She, me looking at her startled. Oh, I didn't expect them to come back. Now I'm questioning what she gave her. Okay, we can do our washing together, chimes Karen. Okay, it's a slight whirlwind here at the moment. My tray's getting collected, Karen fucks off again and I turn on the telly. It's 5.20pm. If this is the pace of the evening to come, I could do with a nap. I pull out my patient manual. I was given it in Viking class before. I have homework to do on communication and my extra sheet on practicing assertiveness. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's good to go back to the basics. It would be great, though, if those who have awareness, like a scale, put together and those who don't in another group. But then it would be couple counselling. Awkward. Forget I mentioned. Never mind. Back to my homework. It wasn't difficult, but what does aggression look like? What does passive look like? Blah, 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 blah. Then I see out of the corner of my eye something about Jesus and part of me goes, what the fuck? Where am I? When am I going to be converted? A mild hiccup of anxiety and I'm over it. I can't do this. And just as my anxiety is about to peak, Karen comes back. She's talking about farts again. And then she gets back to Candy Crush. Okay. Today's been eventful, and yet oddly stabilising. In comes the new admittee. Is it bad to say that it feels like high school? Hey babe, thanks babe, blah blah blah. Obviously it's great to have buds, but something about it took me back a stack of years. When did we stop doing that? Should we have stopped doing that? Why was something about it safe and secure, and yet also kind of made me want to vomit? Out she goes, and Karen says, Do you want to footy love? I don't, but I do the tipping. Oh my God. Get this. She starts again. I bought Peter Alexander PJs and they're so fucking soft. I think I bought some more today. Honestly, I at this point, I think from what she's told me, spent around $600. Dude, we've been here 24 hours. 
Oh, love, this trip is going to cost her more than her admission. And I've met someone who can finally outshop me. Fuck. And we've been paired together. Fuck. Karen flies in and out, yelling on the phone and just in general telling people what to do and where to go. I'm so happy to have the largest pair of noise-cancelling headphones. They tune in the sounds of reality TV and out the hallway and planes overhead. Oh, have I not mentioned the planes yet? <laughs> I swear that I'm laying on the tarmac of the Gold Coast Airport. And then Nurse Margaret pops her head in again and asks me, Would you like your meds? It's 7.30. Normally it's, you give them to me at 8. Ah, oh, fuck it. Today's been a long fucking day. Yes, please, as I follow her in my PJs down the hall. She lines them all up and says, hmm, geez, we'll see you in a week with all this. She hands them over and I toddle off to bed at 7 fucking 30. Karen, who I thought was asleep, pipes up from the dark side. Want some burger rings? I decline. At this point, you'd think she was the largest person in the world. No, no, no. As I said before, size of an ant and she hasn't grown. At this point, she's got a TV remote and is blaring NT cops. Again, fucking love my headphones. I tune her out and finish my notes and I send them to my love. Good night. Getting a tattoo can be a really intense experience. The smell is unique. The space is often exactly what our parents' greatest fears for our teenies were, and sometimes the people can seem intimidating. And this can make it really hard to go through getting that tattoo, especially if you've never done it before. Trauma Tats is a boutique studio where the whole experience, from the time that you call or message, to supporting you to develop your artwork, to making you feel comfortable and safe in the space, to managing big emotions that tattoos can bring to your aftercare. The whole experience is about you and meeting your needs, where you're at and making sure that the story that your tattoo is telling is nurtured and honoured. With special care for those whose stories sit in the trauma space, you, your tattoo and your story are safe with Trauma Tats. If we've ever met or you've seen me online, you probably noticed that I have some tattoos. If you ask me, I'll tell you about them. My tattoos tell a story just like the ones that I share with you on the Trauma Tales. If you have a story to share or honour and want to do that in a space where you feel safe and respected, contact Trauma Tales, a professional tattoo studio to work through what you've been through. Find them on Instagram or Facebook at Trauma Tats 1T and tell them Shan sent you. Day three. Good morning. I've been wrestling with getting up for what feels like forever. I look at the clock. It's 7 a.m. I'm going back to bed. Karen flies in, delivering me a banana. Morning, love, she says. I'm off to see the doctor. What time's your group? One, I reply with one eye open. And like the wind, she's off again. I head down to Nurse Sunshine, who I haven't met yet, and I go and get my meds. I ask about the golden list of people and overnight I went from six to nine. And overnight, I head down to Nurse Sunshine, who I haven't met yet, to go and get my meds for the morning. 
I ask about the golden list of people. And overnight, I went from nine to six. Oh, I push her a little on it. She said, just claim squatters' rights, hence Nurse Sunshine. I toddle off to my room. Karen is at an appointment already. It's 7.45. That's fucking stupid. And if I get one of those appointments, I am not going. I flick on sunrise and start on my cereal. No shit, my milk hasn't even soaked into my cereal and a cleaner arrives. What the fuck? Is this place trying to extend my day here? I am a night owl, not a fucking early bird, and I don't want worms. Anyway, I'm sitting here patiently, but not really. Pretending to be patient while I wait for my single room. Also, having had so many juice boxes, or poppers, depending on where you're from, in such a long time. These things are everywhere, and they come with everything, and I have missed them. These are fantastic. I need to reintroduce poppers into my life. Anyway, I head out after changing, leave Karen sleeping, out to see some sort of natural light, even if it is just the jack room. I scroll through the list of groceries from Coles Online. I just figured it'll be easier when I get out of here for a couple of hours. It appears that each of the ward has one communal fridge opposed to a bar fridge in each room. Anyway, I head out. I do some drawing before I have to see the psych at 11. Days are so long here. The minutes go by so slowly. Smiley Rangan nurse is back on. The one that gave me my meds on the first night. 80s nurse is also on today and they're all lovely. One of the chicks from yesterday has just arrived and she was the one that was going to go and get her ears pierced, but she wasn't allowed out, so she didn't. Karen smuggles some biscuits into our room, giving me a nod. We're in business. I put my stuff away and venture on a walk around, giving my breakfast dishes to the kitchen. I'm now off trays, if I didn't already need to say that, meaning I have to go to the dining room for future meals, which is kind of daunting. But anyway, my adventure. I found the kitchen, I gave them my dishes, and I discovered the vending machine. My chips are now colder than my Diet Cokes, but where else can you eat a cold packet of chips before 10 a.m.? Back in my room and Mousy Nurse, who who didn't introduce herself before, sees me packing my stuff away in the dark. I know, right? Awkward. She asks what I'm here for. If I'm staying away from others on purpose and where Karen is. I respond, but I also say I just forgot to turn on the light. I'm here for depression. I don't know where Karen is. She mouses away. I hope she's in a regular because she was more awkward than I was. Karen's out, so I flick through the Foxtel on offer. And to be honest, I'd prefer no Foxtel and a Byron coffee. Anyway, here we are. Me and Judy Garland. The movie. Not, not the person in real life. I'm not hallucinating. Yet. Oh, fuck. I hope not yet. And my cold chips and warm warm coke. For the next hour, this is me until I have to visit with the dog. Oh, did I mention that I have this gross metal taste in my mouth? Ever since I've been here, it's been with me. I have to mention it to the dog, which is why I mention it to you in the hopes that I remember it for him. And then it's time to go. I visited the dog. He had a laugh. I told him about metal mouth. He told me that it was odd, but okay. And on we kept talking. He's given me a leave pass so I can go out and wander around in the real world, provided I stay living on the side of life that is looking forward. What? Adjusting to my new life and focus on living rather than dying. Okay. 
We make that commitment and I'm off towards my first meal off trays. I collect Karen on my way. Well, more she collects me. And we head downstairs. She finds the bowl of bananas. And at this point, I decline stating that I still have this morning's yellow offering. She collects the bowl of spaghetti bolognese and I get the juices and a sandwich. She begins to tell me about each person here, who she knows, etc. She's like the town gossip. Every small town has one. She knows everybody's secrets and is more than happy to share. After lunch, we head back to our room. The magical single room debate starts with mousiness and sunshininess. Karen and I find one of those pad bags to throw away without a sanitary bin. We write on it a message begging for our single rooms. Karen yells out, but next to each other, of course. We fill the pad bag of the morning's individually wrapped Tim Tams. Karen flings open her second drawer and says, come here, fill that shit up. We fill up the bag and like children tiptoeing around the Christmas tree, we put the pad bag on the nurse manager's desk. Sunshine nurse is all for this. Mousy nurse needs to loosen the fuck up. She is far too serious for someone so plain. What else do we have to do here? Nurse Sunshine is all about our endeavour. She is on board and she even pretends to tell the manager that I'm tossing people out of their rooms. <laughs> anyway, Mousy shut that down. I head back to my room. Karen comes in with Mousy and some of her online shopping deliveries. Just open it on the bed, love. Mousy responds in the most monotone of monotone. You can't have that. You can't have that. You can't have that. Well, Karen was not happy with that. Well, we won't be having a good smelling room with the farts for this, from this place and no diffuser, will we? Is she referring to my farts or hers? And then Karen fucks off again on a mission to catch up with people she's met before leaving all the shit she's purchased and can actually keep laying on the bed. I'm alone again in my room. Honestly, can't fucking fart in peace here. Group is coming up soon, so Lord only help us today keep the status of the group not a try or couple therapy status. Here is where Karen and I have a win. Mousy nurse comes in and says that she can move me to an empty double room, but I get my own fucking room. I cheer with Karen, give out our pad bag full of treats. Mousy handed them to me, stating, we can't take bribes in her nasty little bitch voice. Eh, I can move. Off I am. After group, I pack my stuff up in 30 seconds flat. Off to group with a spring in my step. Yeah. Oh, yeah. About group. Specifically, the Savos group. We had a few more people. Can I just say, the grass isn't always greener. We had two bail, which was fine. They were annoying anyway. And one new fuck knuckle. <sighs> there is an intelligent lad. Older wiser but honestly this fuck knuckle started yesterday thinks he's god's gift i've spent fifty thousand dollars on family court he starts crapping on about the injustice of the system and how she's a bad parent for letting him hit her or some shit anyway what felt like an ongoing saga about him in a group of 10 where's wally lookalike group who's our facilitator today fell down the hipster tree while finding himself, finally opened the fucking door and we were let go. We were free. I was off and running, changing my locker key and remote before anyone jumped into my new bed. Back in. Now we have to go back into group, right? Back in. I find hipster Wally. 
Well, fuck me dead. Father a year is now giving people advice. Actually, he beat his ex. He's bitching because he worked for the money. She did the paperwork. He can't figure out how to fucking pay Telstra. And then he turns to give a chick advice on medication and leaving her relationship. Insight is a gift not everyone will receive. I'm watching fucking Wally, the facilitator, do fucking nothing about this idiot. I was eyeballing the side of his head so fucking far I was imitating laser swords from Star Wars since I'm on their ship. Side note, I think I've seen one movie. Maybe I'll watch the others while I'm in here. Anyway, focus. Group finally fucking ended after this guy's monologue about his amazingness and how shit everybody else is and it's perfectly okay to be your wife. So what did I learn today? Apart from Fuckface's edition of how to be a stellar partner, I learned a tool called, oh shit, hang on, let me find my book. Structured problem solving. Now I take a problem, let's use online shopping as an issue. Then I brainstorm all the possible solutions, even bad ones. How can I stop mindlessly scrolling and racking up after paying credit cards while I'm here with many, many hours twiddling my thumbs and having to be in bed by 6 p.m.? Here are my three options. Plan a real shopping trip. Take the shopping apps off my phone. Scroll at night with my wife on the phone and browse together. Then the pros and cons of each. Shopping Trip Pro, satisfying. Lots of bags and a limited cash in real time. Cons, I have to wait until I'm out and actually peruse the shop. It doesn't fill the time in here. Then removing the apps. Pro, shopping becomes lesser about ease and I have to have cards to finalize purchases as the phone doesn't hold all of my details, unlike the apps. Cons. I like the apps and they have my details in there for when I actually need, not just want things. Finally is shopping with my wife. Pro is there is company and we can actually shop with purpose and reduce waste and dream about bigger ticket items together other than just shit. Cons, it's not always accessible. Okay. Then you have to choose the best, most practical solution. The winner is shopping with my wife. Loose boundaries so I can still scroll and communicate with her or go out together and shop. There are more steps. So how can we carry out said plan? Talk to my wife about worries of overspending and being so far away from reality of our home. So I'm guessing needs and wants and shopping without purpose and actually unable to enjoy the shopping with others. Discuss a needs and wants list. Set a budget. (laughs) That word. See what's achievable in the budget. (sighs) Do a gratification scale on shopping together, planning future shops, and how we can bring this to reality in the future post-discharge. Then, oh, God, this is such a fucking process. Resources, barriers. I didn't get to these. I might look at them later. My rage for father of the year was distracting me from the class and I had become one with Wally just to not rip his fucking throat out with my teeth. He was a disgusting human being. Anyway, class ended. I went back to my room. Alone. 
I unpacked, I set up a desk, I put away creature comforts and I spoke to my son. I felt normal. I could relax. I was messaging my wife and I could just breathe. I still fidget a fuckload though. So I was off on another adventure to find a blanket that my wife had brought for me so I don't get cold. Cute? I know. She's with me, so back off. Looking at you, Karen. Crazy nurses and obviously not the father of the you get dead shits to the fuck away from my wife. I don't want them anywhere near her. I looked. I wandered. I rang doorbells that I didn't know existed. And I met a man nurse. Hmm. There appears to be only one. And just in case you didn't know that he was a man nurse, he looked like a lumberjack. Obviously he was a ranger. Obviously he was bearded. And obviously he had a magnificent man bun. Anyway, man nurse hunted for my stuff. He only found Karen's box of confiscated items and he walked me back to my room. Anyway, it's 4.30 now. Guess what time it is. Dinner. Ah, but not on a tray today. Off we go, down to the dining room. Ugh, foul. Lamb casserole that's been chewed on and spat back into a microwave with some spuds. Oh. And don't forget the broccoli. On my way down to the dining room, I sussed the laundry, the gym, and the TMS. I'm told TMS is like electric shock therapy. I'm going to research that tonight. I think I'll try the gym tomorrow. I visit the gym. An extra excited gym guy has just got out of my room. I have no therapy in the morning and only group in the Arvo. Sounds like I can work a couple of extra things in. Maybe even a stroll to the beach. Okay. I've got my shit on a plate bypass the trees karen walks in and it was like we planned it we eat our shit together karen tells me that she started online dating to check the talent we piss ourselves laughing at this and i explain what a top hatter is a stupid app like ebay used to be for like bidding for shit where you actually don't need anything on that app totally working against my afternoon session right here right we walked back upstairs and we go our separate ways to our separate rooms. I pull out my Lego. I set up some TV. I pinch a towel set from an empty room and settle myself in for the night. They said I could have as many towels as I want. Where are the fucking towels? I get to speak to my son and I talk with my wife. I've opened dialogue about telling our son about where I am and what I'm doing here. We haven't made concrete plans, but I don't like hiding things from him. And hopefully he says, thank fuck she needed that, rather than being scared. But we'll see. Tonight I'm watching Handmaids without the headphones on. I'm watching my wife fire phone and possibly venturing to the vending machine for some TV snacks. I feel better in my skin. I'm on different meds and decreased morning ones. But honestly, it's the 12-hour sleep in night that's giving my brain some breathing room. I have never slept like this. Through the night, fearless, not fearful, safe, yet totally out of my comfort zone. I'm missing my roots, but I'm gaining clarity. So if it's working three days in, I'm hoping it's the adjustment that I needed. Speaking of, my psych is here, scoping whether I'm depressed or struggling with an adjustment disorder. Who knew? I'm pretty sure after the explanation this morning that it could be both. But we're working on that because if you work on adjustment issues, then we only, only have to sort the depression. If we only treat the depression, we will never readjust from the fuckery of the workplace that led me here. Right. So it's new. 
I have some shit to read and explore with him. But a day off that tomorrow. I might even sleep in to like 7.15. Off to get my TV snacks and then telly time with my family. Thank you for joining me today on The Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to The Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email the trauma tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.